Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. When and how should children learn to write? Is our increasing use of touchscreen technology leading to a generation of kids who don't know how to hold a pencil, let alone write with one? Educator, researcher and parenting commentator Nathan McCarty-Wallace says there's no rush. Nathan, kia ora, welcome. Kia ora, Catherine, how are you? Good, thank you. Good Excellent. to Good to talk. Um, no rush meaning what? That, that you're not going to have a huge advantage if you've got a reading, writing child heading off to school. What do we know about what matters when? Um, we know that, I mean, it's comes from lots of different areas of research. We look at longitudinal studies, we look at um, brain development, how the brain grows neurosequentially. But basically we know that under the age of seven, the child's got to build up brains one, two and three. And so most children in early childhood have to build up the limbic system, the emotional brain. The literature calls that the social-emotional attitudes to learning. And as plain language, what it means is a child has to learn to love learning before he does the formalised learning. And so that's usually between the ages of two and seven. So... Yeah, there is no need to be doing formalised writing in early childhood centres. It would actually be you know, pretty detrimental. You're wary of too much formalised anything in early childhood centres. This is a time for creativity. This is a time for learning mm-hmm. through play. Yeah, because I just want to be like Scandinavian countries and countries that actually put the research into practice. It's not, you know, just my opinion that we shouldn't be doing that in in early childhood centres. There's clear longitudinal research-based evidence that there is no, you know, even within um, primary school, the child only benefits from two and a half hours a day of teacher-led instruction. That's why Finland, you know, reduced to that when they went from the middle of the PISA table to the top. You know, they were in the middle of the international standard, Finland, and they moved right up to the very top by implementing the research. One of the things they did was to recognise that research, that even in primary school, only two and a half hours a day is, you know, anything more than that doesn't do any difference. So in early childhood, um, under the age of six, the numbers are zero. And actually, you shouldn't have any um, teacher-led interaction. The teachers should be scaffolding the child-led play. Let's look specifically, though, at the sort of dexterity and the, and the physical experience of, of, of writing, drawing, yes. finger painting, whatever. Is it true mm-hmm. that children are arriving at school with underdeveloped hand muscles because they haven't practised their finger grip at home as much as previous generations? I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I can certainly see the concern with the iPads. and But I don't think children used to... I don't think a lot of children have turned up to school... Um, already been able to write their name and stuff. I don't think it's iPads that have caused that. I couldn't write my name when I got to school. Most boys I know don't show a lot of interest in writing until sort of after seven. Um, so, yeah, I think they're two separate issues. So I think there's an issue about iPads and that children are too overexposed to iPads. But um, I think motor skills and early childhood centres, they are still doing finger painting and, you know, finger puppets and, and doing up zips is one of the things they talked about um, in the media, that kids can't do up zips. But they've always been doing that sort of stuff in early childhood centres. So you're wary of 
anecdotal reports about this uh, and, again, looking for research and detail on it. Also, I'm interested because that holding of the pencil and that very uh, meticulous Mm -hmm. how do I do an A and I do a round and then I do a stick, we associate that. We've always associated it more with school than than, uh, than, than primary school. Because we associate it with the frontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that re- likes repetitive pattern. It's, you know, it is the part of our higher intelligence. I think that's why um, parents want to get straight there. But you can't just you know, line up nine-month-old babies at desks and give them pencils. It's not going to be <laughs> beneficial. Um, so I can understand why people really like that cortex. But you move into that part of your brain when you're seven. And if you try and do um, that at you know, three, four, five, and six, you're really just neglecting the actual needs of a three, four, five, and six-year-old and showing no understanding of how that development really takes place. So far, though, do we have any evidence about fine motor skills in, in general, tying up shoelaces or doing zips uh, or you know, holding a crayon, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. colouring in, anything? Is there any evidence that children are arriving at school less skilled because I presume, I presume the presumption here is mm-hmm. that they're better at swiping things than much yeah. else. Yeah. Any evidence? So many, not that I'm aware of, Catherine. It doesn't mean there isn't. It just means I'm not aware of it. But there's, um, you know, children go to early childhood centres. A majority of children go to early childhood centres. And most early childhood centres may use iPads, but they're usually in a very restricted way. So in the majority of the time, the children are still holding a paintbrush, and they are still using their fine finger skills to build Lego. Or blocks um, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's look, um, quite apart from the perennial question of what is the impact of the digital world on children, mm-hmm. let's look at what we do know and have always known about being able uh, to write uh, and when. Yep. Perhaps some children will come to school ready to or already reading. Is it that? Has it ever been that common for children to turn up ready to write? Um, there's always a group of children that do. You know, um, we've talked about sort of the advantage of being a, f- a female and being a firstborn in terms of your brain growth. So firstborn females, you might get a larger group of them turning up to school at five that are really developmentally seven because they've got those advantages and they. Um, there's always children that want to please their parents. So if parents are showing that um, we're not very impressed with your imaginary friend, but we get all excited when you write your name, then the child will start to try and write their name. That doesn't mean it's self-motivated, but I'm aware that I I don't value that stuff until after seven. I want free play, creativity, child-led. That's what I know is going to make for an intelligent child. But I, my own youngest daughter at three and a half asked me to download worksheets from the internet because she wanted to write things down because she'd seen her older brothers and sisters doing it and she'd worked out that the rest of society thinks that you're really flash when you can do that. So she was leading it and it was it was fun and imagination. Yeah, but I think she was leading it because um, adults say things to her as a three-year-old like, um, and do you know how to write your name? So I think it's the expectation and wanting to please. If the kid doesn't have the wanting to please the adults, I don't see very many of those children wanting to write. Correlation with future success for those who are precocious is the word, isn't it? For those yeah, who are early yeah. writers, is there any correlation Absol- with future absolutely success? Absolutely none. Absolutely none. Any of those cognitive skills that you do, that we associate with the frontal cortex of literacy and numeracy, those formalised things, um, they, there's no evidence that what they call early cognitive attainment, learning those things early, has any benefit. Most of the time the literature it plateaus by eight. So that means that the kid's doing reading and writing at three, by the time he's eight, he's got the same reading age as the eight-year-old beside who didn't start until he was seven. So there is no long-term advantage. If there was a long-term advantage, it would be in our early childhood curriculum. Our early childhood curriculum in New Zealand 
is very research-based and evidence-based. There's a reason why writing is not in there. Well, I was going to ask you that next, because part of the concern has been around the formalising of that preschool experience. We've gone from kindies, mm. you know, half day at kindy, yep. uh, to, to uh, all day, um, uh, not kindies yet, but, you know, all day options yep. elsewhere. And now this idea of raising the qualification level of early childhood teachers, which is fine, as long as yep. you're not turning them into middle primary school teachers. Right, so yeah. are yeah. we seeing any change to the curriculum that concerns you, or by and large, are they still on track in early childhood education? I think, yeah, there is a tension at the moment. There is like half of the sector is saying play-based, you know, this is what we've been taught in, this is what the last 300 years of education have said, this is what Piaget said, you know, um, the whole father of the Western education system. Um, but then, yeah, you have this increasing top-down approach of people thinking that you've got to learn formalised literacy and numeracy early. And a lot of parents believe that because they don't understand how the brain works. So they really just take the naive assumption that the earlier you're reading and writing, the better off you'll be for the rest of your life. So, I mean, the, I think we're trending the other way. I think we've made it that you don't have to start school till you're six. I think that's going to protect a lot of boys who aren't the firstborn because then there won't be that pressure put on until they're six. Um, I'm seeing lots of schools turn to a play-based curriculum because they're getting more and more research-informed. You know, we have Google in our lounge now, so more and more people are research-informed. And when you look at that research, it is very, very clear that all of the adv advantages um, under the age of seven are about social-emotional, child-led, child-initiated. You mentioned Finland, which is so often the goody-two-shoes in these things. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm not sure why. I don't know whether it's the perfect size or it has a, you know... Um, uh, yep. It's got high taxes there, hasn't it? Which suggests there's a, you know, there's um, yep. a reasonably sort of focused bureaucracy. So if it gets mm -hmm. its research right, there's a good result. But yep. where else would you look? What other systems would you look to say, yep, they're on, they're, they're getting it right? I think just in general, right across Scandinavian countries, you'll see that they implement what the rest of us know in research. Oral language development comes before written language development. You can't expect a child to express himself in written form when he can't yet express himself in you know, orally. So you and I, when we went to school, Catherine, would stand up and give our news for the day. You know, this is my news. Um, there's always been an emphasis on oral language first. So in most Scandinavian countries, children aren't taught to write until after the age of seven. They're allowed to write before then, but there is no formalisation comes in. So the kid makes up his own language. He makes up his own symbols. Um, the importance is that when he takes that bit of paper up the front, he knows what it means because the emphasis is on reading it out and developing oral language. A good solid basis on oral language is what leads to a good base for writing. You've talked about girls having a bit of the advantage here in the early years. Once you do mm -hmm. get writing, mm -hmm. um, you are introducing it. As you said, you would like the folks to be around seven, but I think they're at, they're at it much earlier than that in primary much school. Much earlier. Mm -hmm. What is it to be aware of there Again, um, when is it going well, when is it not going well, and, and, and when do you start to worry, if at all? About things like the development of writing yeah, and that yeah, not showing yeah. up. The old heavy pr I was a heavy presser. Yep. My, my memory of learning to write was don't press so hard. Right, well, I'm okay. trying hard. That's why I'm pressing hard, and you're stressing me out. That's why I'm pressing yeah, hard. Yeah, and that's not <laughs> ideal, really. We don't want you stressing out when you're learning that. because unfortunate flashback to five, wasn't it? <laughs> right, yeah. But then that little five-year-old yeah. is under this extreme pressure and anxiety. We've, we've got to put that in context of... We're a country that has soaring rates of anxiety and depression for our children. I won't hear a word against Mrs. Lennon, but anyway, <laughs> right, so, you're, you're going through you're going through a stressful thing. But you know, what, yeah, what is it that's important about the development of early of early writing skills? 
I think we want to see that stuff around the age of seven because you're in your frontal cortex and those fine motor skills are important. So I do like to see that writing around seven. And children leading their own sort of... Because it's not writing isn't bad under the age of seven, it's the formal teaching of it. Um, you know, children in early childhood get all these pre-literacy behaviours. When we decide we're building a spaceship to go to Mars and um, we need a list of who's going first, so I put a bit of driftwood there to say, right, that's me first, right, Catherine, you're this yellow peg, so you get to go second. That's the development of literacy that's child-led. So literacy and numeracy is rich in early childhood, it's just the formalised teaching of it that we wouldn't start until seven. Inability to write on the line. I had a problem with that as well. Wait till shorthand came in. It's just Um, bad if a five-year-old is stressing out about their learning because at five you're developing um, your your emotional attitude towards yourself as a learner. Am I a bit stupid or am I pretty clever when I persist? And a child under stress is basically learning they're a bit stupid. So we should be avoiding stress for five-year-olds. It's interesting what good writing is, isn't it? Because there's the content, Mm -hmm. there's the actual physical appearance of it, which may depend on... Yep. artistic flair or lack thereof yep. um, it's a whole subject I'm getting interested in now I'm thinking I might do a mm. separate interview on it but really yeah. as you said the point of this is to be able to understand and communicate using shared symbols mm-hmm. um, and is that really what you are looking for m- more than anything else more than how heavy it, something is or whether they're, they're yeah, going that's over the right. line and that's very appropriate for a 7 year old in their frontal cortex it's looking at all those repetitive patterns that literacy has Here's an email for us. Oh, I started off on this track, the differences between boys and girls sometimes. Uh, hi, I have a seven-year-old son who's left-handed. Are there any particular ways of learning to write when one is left-handed and learning to write? My wife and I are both right-handed. Um, right. Apart from the slant, um, I'm not yeah. sure that's a factor. Is there any significant difference? People making a fuss possibly would be the risk, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's always been. There's an article on Stuff Today, actually, about um, left-handers having all these advantages and... Um, you know, with the the way the left brain controls the right-hand side of the body mm. and vice versa. So the right-hand side of the brain is, a, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is a wee bit more associated with creativity. So I can imagine that a left-hand person is using more of the right-hand brain, so might be better at problem-solving. I wonder if technically to, there's a difference, though. Um, yeah, not really. It's just the, all brains are asymmetrical. And whether you do that, most human beings do it to the left side. Um, well, not that that correlates with left and right handedness but in answer to her question what do they have to do they have to let the child find his own way and they need to listen to him to find out how he wants to write um, and how because he's a left handed person so they should really listen to him about how a left handed person needs to write he'll work it out himself Is it similar to many other things that we've talked about in the early stages of developing a skill that actually your attitude towards it and your sense of competence around it is what matters not whether it's perfect right now or ever going to be perfect I mean some of the brainiest people you've Whose stuff you read? You look at the handwriting, and you go. Yeah, that's right. No one's going to. How did you get through Prima Two? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, it's about encouraging confidence and an enjoyment, an enjoyment of of the practice. Yeah. A lot of debate around pencil grip. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you get variations. You have the conventional grip, but to get people to have variations and put, you know, put the index yeah. finger somewhere unusual, does it matter terribly? There is a whole body of evidence about, when you look at evolutionary theory, that they reckon the reason why we have higher rates of depression now than in the Great Depression is because a lot of our joy centres are connected to our hands and our fingers. Because throughout evolutionary time, we've worked a lot with our hands. So now as we use our hands less and less, um, there's less and less of those positive endorphins and stuff released into the brain. So I'm just trying to relate that to, you know, I do think human beings need to be really using those fine motor skills, but they can be equally used in weaving and kapahaka and, like you said, finger painting. And um, 
But, yeah, I wouldn't want to see us lose writing. Well, that is the point I was going to come to. Everyone should go and look up Frank Howarth, by the way. He's just that beautiful okay. craft of furniture. We did a, we've got videos and audio of him, and that was a big part of what he talked about, the physical, tactile pleasure of working with your hands. Yes. But staying with writing, I, mm-hmm. I guess another issue is going to be now we're migrating exams online and migrating them on to, I guess, iPads. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Is there a link between the learning that happens when you read something and write notes about it or write about it. So in other words, it goes into that brain, gets processed, comes out through your hand and onto a page. Mm -hmm. Is there an indication that either learning or memorization or fact retention is advantaged by the practice of handwriting? And is that any different from the practice of typing into a laptop? Yeah, there's very scanty evidence on that that I've ever come across. I would imagine that there, there is a little bit. You know, um, it's that evolution stuff again. The brain's evolved writing, so you probably engage a whole lot more of your brain to write down your notes than you do to simply touch type. But I think a whole lot of it would just come down to individual preference and the individual learner's style. I can't take notes. I never was never been able to take notes in a lecture theatre because then I wasn't really listening. If I needed to, I needed to attend and listen. So writing notes distracted me. That's really interesting. So mm. again, it's individual. For some people, the act of handwriting is almost reinforcing because you hear yeah. the information and then you write the information. So you've sort of double treated it. But interestingly yeah. for you, having to write it was a distraction to listening to it. Yeah, because I didn't then think about the information and I didn't integrate it into what I already knew because I was just doing the surface procedure of writing down the notes. So it was good to be able to regurgitate back what the lecturer said, but it wasn't really good for comprehension and understanding and fully absorbing. Interesting stuff, as it is always. Thank you for your time. Cheers, Catherine. Good to talk to you. Nathan McCarty-Wallace, educator, researcher and parenting commentator. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 